Are you okay with God being in control? I mean, I am when things are going well. Right? When my relationship with Andy, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. When that's going really well, I'm really happy that God's in control. I'm happy that God's in control when church planting is going well and God continues to bring new people into church, even in spite of COVID and all of the restrictions and regulations. I think that if all of you were to look at your lives and you see the good and you see the blessings, all of you would be happy to say and unequivocally would say, yes, I'm happy that God is in control. But what about the times when life isn't like that? When life isn't all rose petals and unicorns, when it's not all good and blessings, but what about when life goes wrong? What about when your seemingly good health is suddenly robbed from you? Are you okay with God being in control when things go wrong? What about when some sort of evil enters into one of your relationships, be it with your spouse, be it with one of your friends, and it ruins it? Are, are you okay with God being in control when things go wrong? Take a step back from the personal for a second and just take a look at our world. Right, the world is a fascinating place because at the same time in the world, you have good and evil coexisting together. The world is this place where news anchors in the same breath can talk about selfless acts and senseless killings, where they can talk about beautiful relationships and terrible abuse. The world is this place where, sure, good things do happen, but, but more often than not, it seems like things go wrong. And so when you and I, when we as Christians, look at both our lives and the world out there, we have to ask ourselves, are we okay? Are we okay with God being in control when things go wrong? And that question is the crux of the parable this morning from Matthew chapter 13, this parable of the, the wheat and the weeds, because in that field that Jesus is talking about, things go horribly, horribly wrong, don't they? You have this farmer who, or this landowner who plants a whole bunch of good seed, and when he and all of his servants are fast asleep, there's an enemy, a cunning enemy, who comes in and he plants bad seed. He plants some weed, and this, and this enemy... He sure knows what he's doing because the, the seeds that he plants, they're this weed called darnel. Any of you ever heard of this, darnel? It's this weed that looks almost exactly the same as wheat when it grows up. It's almost indiscernible. So then a while later when the, the wheat begins to bud and to sprout, then so does the wheat, or so does the weed. That's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? Wheat and weeds together. When the wheat sprouts, so do the weeds. They all grow together. And the servants, as they're walking through the field, they, they notice this, the, the, all of the weeds in the field, and they, so they go to the, the landowner with three questions. Sir, didn't you plant good seed in this field? Question number one. Question number two, where did the weeds come from? Question number three, do you want us to go and pull them? I don't know if you realize it or not, but these questions are dripping with accusation and with, uh, with impatience. Right, when they ask the landowner, didn't you plant good seed, what are they doing? They're saying that the weeds being in the field are this landowner's fault. Guy, this is your fault that these are here because you didn't do a good enough job picking out the right kind of seed for this field. When they ask him question number two, where did the weeds come from, they're demanding an answer because if the seeds, if it's not his fault that they're there, well then you've got to know where they came from, right? And question number three, the question that's born out of impatience, do you want us to go and pull them? Essentially what they're saying is, dude, you're not in control. You have no idea how much better we could do at this. Just let us go and pull them because we have a better plan on how to deal with these weeds. Things certainly went wrong in that field. And the landowner, or the servants, they thought that the landowner wasn't in control. And they weren't happy about it. They weren't okay with it. When things in your life or things in the world go wrong, are you okay with God being in control? I think on the surface, all of us would probably answer yes, right? 
but we still have a sinful nature that leads us to, to ask those same questions that the landowner, or that the servants asked of the landowner when things went wrong, right? When things went wrong, or when things go wrong in this life, we stand there and we ask God, didn't you just plant good seed? In other words, do you know what we're doing when we ask God that question? We're placing the blame for God, or on God, for the existence of evil in this world. When things go wrong because of evil being in this world and we stand before God and say, where did the weeds come from? Do you know what we're asking God? Well, it's not so much that we're asking God anything, but it's that we're demanding something from God. We're demanding an answer as to why he allows evil to continue in this world. And finally, the last question that's born out of impatience, do you want us to go and pull up these weeds? Do you know what we're saying or demanding of God? We're saying that we have a better idea of how to handle the evil that he ultimately isn't in good enough control, that we know better, we have a better plan, that we could do a better job at not only pulling out the evil, but casting it into judgment and, and bringing a swifter judgment than he is. Because when we see the evil out in the world, we don't always think that God is in control. And when you ask one of those questions, and I don't care which one it is, when you ask just a single one of those questions, you are saying, no, I am not okay with God being in control when things go wrong. And when we think that we know better than God, we could do a better job than God, or we could control things better than God, I think we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we really know the difference between the wheat and the weeds? In other words, do we know and really know the difference between good and evil? I think on some level we do, right? We can evaluate a thought, we can uh, hear a word, we can look at an action, and we can hold it up to the lens of God's word and we can say, yeah, that action or that word or that thought, that is evil because God's word says so. And if the word of God were only, or if the word of God were our, stopping, were our starting and stopping point and that was it, then things would be okay. But what's the problem? Well, actually, two problems exist. Number one, we have a sinful nature in our heart that loves to warp and twist the word of God to make it say what we want. And number two, our sinful nature rarely rarely uses the word of God as a stopping point for evaluating or discerning what is wheat and what is weeds, what is good and what is evil. We are so steeped in postmodern subjectivity that that is the lens we end up imposing not only on scripture but on our evaluation of what is good and what is evil. We look at something that upsets us and we call it evil even if the word of God doesn't explicitly call it evil. We look at something that makes us cringe, something that might make us weep and we call it evil even if it might not be. Right? And if this is the way you are evaluating the difference between wheat and weeds, between good and evil, then your definition of evil is based on, on thoughts and feelings and emotions and context and culture and setting, not on an objective truth. Right? And that's a problem. That's a problem. And you have to ask yourself, is something evil just because I, I feel that it's evil? Or is this thing evil because it is objectively of inherently evil. And how do you know? Consider the greatest evil that you, that you know. I used to think I knew what evil was. I grew up in a small farm town where drug abuse was rampant and there were, you had overdoses, you had, um, you had abuse in these homes. I used to think I knew what, what evil was and then I received a phone call from a friend of mine who's a pastor and he was dealing with this counseling situation that he, well, that he couldn't bear alone. He needed to kind of unload on somebody else, so he called me. And the situation that he was dealing with was a counseling situation where awful child abuse was involved. I thought I knew 
what evil was, but the evil that I had known well, didn't even come close to touching the evil that this friend of mine told me about. Then you have these stories that, that surface about the recesses of the, the dark corners of the black market or the, the tomes of PTSD-afflicted soldiers that if we read them, we'd probably vomit at the kind of evil that these people encounter. My point is that when you and I look at evil, we, we only see it dimly. There's evil that exists that you and I can't possibly fathom or know, and Jesus says that there is one who is purely evil and one who works tirelessly, has worked tirelessly since the beginning of the world to do nothing but undo God's good creation, to do nothing but plant weeds, to do nothing but work evil. And if you and I, if you and I can't even begin to fathom the kind of evil that he is capable of, the kind of evil that actually exists in this world, then how can you and I possibly stand and ask those questions of God? How can you and I possibly stand and say, we want control? How can you and I possibly stand and say that we have a better plan, a better idea of how to deal with the weeds that are growing among the wheat? Well, we can't. But we sure like to try, don't we? We like to try because when we stand there and ask those questions of God, just like those servants did of the landowner, we are not only displaying our desire to be in control, but we are, all, we are also saying to God, I want to be you. I want to be in control. I want to be the one who doles out judgment against the weeds that are existing in this world. I want to be the one who is there, who is casting these things into the fire. We want to be God. We want to be in control. And when we ask those questions, we are saying, no, we are not okay with God being in control when things go wrong. But who are we? Who are we to ask those questions of God? Who am I to stand before God and level an accusation of blame against him for the existence of evil in this world? Who are you to, to demand an answer from God as to why he allows evil to continue in this world? Who are we as, a, as Christians, as a congregation, as part of the, the both visible and invisible church, who are we to stand before God and say, I know better, I, I can do better, I have a better plan than you. Let me go and rip out all of the weeds and rid the world of all of its evil. We are impatient with God's timeline. We are distrusting of God's plan. And the reality of it all is, when, when things do go wrong, even if God did give us control, we'd get it wrong. Every single time, we'd get it wrong. Are you okay with God being in control, even when things go wrong, in your world, in your life? The answer is no, not always. But we should be. And here's why. Because the evil that exists in your heart, the evil that you see in the world, even the evil that, that, that you can't possibly fathom or imagine, God sees it, God knows it, God has a plan for it, and ultimately God has dealt with it. And he's given you the answer for it. From the very moment that Satan entered into this world and began to sow those, those seeds, those bad seeds of evil in the hearts of Adam and Eve, God would not let it stand. From the very moment that those seeds that Satan planted in the hearts of Adam and Eve began to blossom into, into disobedience and distrust, into betrayal and lies, God gave them a promise. And God gave them his plan. He said that he was going to send somebody into this world who was the very antithesis of evil. He was going to send somebody into this world who was perfect and holy and just. Somebody who was going to stand in your place and go toe to toe, not only with the evil of this world, but with the very one who creates this evil, with the devil himself, and he would crush his head. When God gave Adam and Eve that promise, 
He asked them to be patient and trust that he would be, make good on that promise. And after thousands of years passed and generations had gone by, God did make good on it. God gave you, every one of you, the ultimate solution to how he deals with evil. He gave you himself. For you, God took on flesh and blood in the person of Jesus Christ. For you, Jesus walked among the weeds of this world perfectly. For you, Jesus took all of those sins of impatience and distrust and, and your desire to, to be God, to be in control, and he allowed them to be nailed to himself and hung on a cross to pay for them, to suffer the wrath of God that those sins deserve. For you, Jesus rose from the dead to assure you not only that you have a life that is waiting for you in heaven, but to, to make you confident of this fact, that without a shadow of a doubt, death and evil and Satan himself will not and cannot and will never win. Look, this is, if, if we were in control, this would never be the plan that you and I would have chosen to sacrifice selflessly to deal with evil. That would have never been our plan to deal with evil because humanity, whether we like to admit it or not, is selfish and self-centered and turned inward on themselves, but not God. No, not God, because his plan was perfect. His plan dealt with evil perfectly, and this is what he gives to you. He carried out his plan and dealt with evil through his son on a cross. And when you cling to that cross through faith, you realize that there is no need to question God when things go wrong in this life. You realize that no matter what is happening, no matter how evil it is, that God has already dealt with it. He's given you the answer, and the answer is his son. And so in light of that beautiful truth, God asks two things from his blood-bought children. Patience and trust. And look, I know those things don't come easily in the world in which we live. Patience and trust would come a whole lot easier if we lived in a world that was just wheat, right? If it was just the sons and daughters of God and everything was perfect, but... But that's not the reality we live in. Because the reality we live in is, is a world that's, that's marred and mangled by evil, that's warped and twisted by sin. And Jesus says that, that we live in the world, but we are not of the world. G the Apostle Peter says that we are strangers and aliens in this world where both weeds and wheat exist at the same time. And until the day comes when, when Jesus brings it, or comes back to bring us home to be with him, God asks us to live patiently as what? As wheat among the weeds. I mean, patience is the exact thing that the landowner asked of the servants when they impatiently asked, hey, do you want us to go and pull out all of these weeds? The landowner's response was, no, let them grow together till the harvest because in pulling some of these weeds out, you may harm, you may harm some of the wheat. No matter how wrong things get, God's got a plan, just like that landowner did, to let everything grow until the harvest is ready. No matter how bad things get, God is always in control and his sole focus is on you. It's on every single one of you. It's on the harvest, the day when his harvest is ready and he is ready to bring home all of those who have come to a knowledge of the truth and who, and who he will save. As Christians, we, we know that whenever God deals with evil, whenever God deals with the things that have gone wrong in this world on his timetable, that it always turns out for a culmination of good. We know this on a macro level. This is a truth we confess, right? Every, everybody understand this? That when God deals with evil, it comes out as a culmination of good. 
But then why when things go wrong, when evil does pop up, when weeds sprout up right next to us, right next to us in this world, why do we feel the, the need to question God and feel like it's going to be any different than, than the truth that we confess? The reality is no matter how bad things get, no matter how vile the evil may seem, God can work through it to bring about his end goal, which is the salvation of your soul, eternity with him forever. And so God asks this of you. He says, no matter how bad things get, be patient. Be patient. Because I know that you want nothing more than for these weeds to be gone. I know that you want nothing more than to exist in a place where there is nothing but perfection, where there, are no, where there is nothing but wheat, where there is nothing but sons and daughters of God. Let me tell you, that, way, that day will come, but be patient because there are still souls that need to be saved. Be patient and trust me, God says to each and every one of you. Be patient and trust me, he says, because I know that, that there are days that are dark. I know that there are days that are evil, days when it seems like all hope is lost, but trust me, I'm still in control and I've already given you the solution. I already have given you the light that shines through the darkness. I've already given you the morning star, my son, Jesus Christ. Trust me, there is a day coming soon when the harvest will be ready. When my son will come and he will send his angels to rip out all of the weeds, anything that is evil and causes sin, and throw it into the fire. And then I will gather you, each and every one of you. And I will bring you to my kingdom where you will shine like the sun forever. If you and I were in control, we would do things differently, right? In fact, I, I know that we would do things differently. But then again, if we were in charge, we would have had a different plan. We wouldn't have, have defeated evil. We wouldn't have come up with a solution for evil. But every single one of us here this morning can rejoice that we're not actually the ones who are in control. God is. God is in control. And God is always right. And God has ultimately dealt with evil. And because God has already dealt with the evil that exists in this world, we win. Every single time, we win. So are you okay with God being in control even when things go wrong? All God's people say, absolutely. Amen.